Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me, Emily, my co-host. Hey. How are you? Great. 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 Man, we have a great interview today. We are interviewing a country music songwriter. Mm-hmm. Practicing our country accents. Yeah. What? Do you have a country accent? No. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that just, that sounded like a really lazy version yeah. of the, that's all you do. That's, you know, I grew up in Alabama and mm-hmm. so we became very proficient. I had to learn how to like have a country accent because we moved from Indiana to Alabama when I was seven. Okay. Then I also had to learn in college because I was a communications major how to like squeeze that country accent out right. of myself. Yeah. Have like non-regional diction is what they call it. That's nice. So that when you talk on things like this, like a microphone, you can talk with very non-regional diction and nobody can know where you're from. That's hmm. that's what they teach it's like you. like enunciation so, yeah. plus other things. Yeah, exactly. So all you realize about you know, what, what you realize is a, is a country accent or a southern accent is just a real lazy accent. Okay. You just draw things out a little bit. You just get tired of really pronunciating, pronunciating, really good. I'm pronunciating things your accent. <laughs> like this. Texas Forever Six. Tim Riggins. Tim Riggins. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of country music, yeah. Emily, I thought we could talk about our, like, are you, are you a country music fan? Okay, you, so uh, I grew up in Richmond, Indiana, which is like... Is it, it's not, is it Richmond, Indiana, or is it Richmond, Indiana? No, it's just Richmond. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, but people there, I mean, there's a lot of, like, farm families. Right. So I felt like in high school it was it was cool to, like, listen to country music. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we had drive your tractor to school day, so that should count for something. There was legitimately right? a drive your tractor yes, to school day? Yes, yes. Like, the tractors would park in the back row oh. of the parking lot. I didn't have a tractor, but other people people did so i listen to country music did um, they think the tractor was sexy yeah i really that's an actual can i say that no you i don't no. know okay Let's filter, not say filter, the next filter filter cool. <laughs> she thinks my tractor's sexy yeah that's that's a that's a it is a song yeah don't look say it the up next song. look it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep so yeah i listen to country music um I mean, I listened to Taylor Swift when she was still country. Oh, yeah. And I like that. She's hardly country anymore. She's not. No. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, But I remember my, like, one of my favorite songs as a kid. My mom listened to country music. My dad did. Um, And... I really like the song Boot Scoot and Boogie yes. by Brooks and Boot Dunn. Boot Scoot and Boogie. <laughs> exactly. Funny yeah. story with Boot Scoot and Boogie. Yes. In elementary school, our PE teacher made us run laps to Boot Scoot and Boogie all the time. I don't know why. Don't ask that me why. That sounds like that would be a slow jog. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe that was maybe that was um, to our advantage. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we just ran at that pace. Yeah. <laughs> Boot scoot and boogie. But I, yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah. And we also did country line dancing all the time. All but right. again, That's this is one. Alabama public schools. So right, yeah. This is, what you, this is what you do. Yeah, what about you? Do you have a favorite country song besides your tractor? Well, you know, what's interesting is even growing up in Alabama, I wasn't much of a country music fan. Okay. Until I moved to Tuscaloosa before my senior year of high school. Mm. And then I became a big country music fan. By default or? Kind of, because I had a friend named Jarrett Shepard. 
And okay. uh, he might be listening to this. I don't know. Hi, he's, he's one of my one of my <laughs> best friends in the world, and he was the quarterback for the football team, center fielder for the baseball team, drove a big pickup truck, all right. and listened to country music and rap all the time. Those are like his two his two gigs. Okay. And and so he really got me into country music because we just drive through the cornfields, and I feel like my senior year of high school that it was like. It was like Friday Night Lights. You just go out into the cornfields so and hang fun. out with each other in like lawn chairs and listen to country music and yeah. people were just hanging out. There was nothing else to do. So <laughs> so I became a fan of that. I started, I had to ease my way in. Started okay. with Rascal Flats. Oh yeah, what Ooh. hurts the most? Oh man, this was before that. This was like, I miss Mayberry. Sitting, Sitting on, on the, the porch drinking well, yep. ice cold, cold cherry, cherry coke, coke. <laughs> <laughs> where everything is black and white. Classic. So loved that, and then um, and then we listen to like old school rap, like All Cities remix and stuff like that, which I'm sure people are offended by. You know, us even talking about like it's fine. This was one North Carolina. Come on and raise up. No? Yeah, I don't okay, know those so, words. Sorry. Anyways, so that was kind of our two. All right. We listen to it. And that's what got me into country music, Rascal Flatts. So I knew, I know like all Rascal Flatts songs. They have good music. They do. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting into it a little bit more. And then um, Amanda was a huge country music fan. Okay. She was an Indiana girl yep. through and through. And uh, so she loved it. And so I became even more of a fan of it. And then that's kind of how I was introduced to this song that that our guest wrote. And yeah. so it was, um, that's, that's how I got introduced to it. But Super cool. Yeah. You like other kinds of music? What what's your favorite type of music before we jump into this interview? Um, I mean, if I'm honest, I listen to a little bit of everything. Okay. Uh, Jack maybe of all trades. not everything. <laughs> Most things. <laughs> Do you listen to like screamo? I I definitely definitely did. Yes. Don't really much anymore, but my brother drove me to school um when he was in high school and could drive <laughs> but uh those are key things um yes. but yeah yes. he would drive me to school and we'd listen to screamo because he had a screamo band called Get who built here. the ocean what yep who built who it? built the ocean who built the ocean i don't know so who built the ark <laughs> no, uh, no. <laughs> also though my favorite uh my actual favorite type of music is jock jams Jock jams. Jock jams. Oh my god! So like any type of pump up music that you would hear before pump, like pump a high school jam. Me- pump <laughs> yeah, it high up. school basketball game. Exactly. Like my hope is that someday I get to do some type of speaking, like maybe at our student section, which is our Wednesday nights, and my walkout music is jock jams. That that would that'd be, be perfect. The I think best. preachers should do walkout music more often. I would totally I do it every fine. week. I think it'd be amazing. Yeah, let's start that. It'd be amazing. Well, I'm with you on the screamo. Did you know that the producer the audio producer of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast actually was also in a screamo band. Like he, and it's pretty legit. He He's also pretty legit. He yeah. plays bass for us at church. But when he, when he, when we can give him a microphone, he's either MDing or screaming, which is yep. awesome. He has screamed. <laughs> he did scream once at church. It was pretty incredible. Yep. So you should go back and listen to all of our messages. <laughs> To try to find the Just one. Just try to scream. find which one I don't it is. what it was. I think it was an economic atheist. I think it was the series that it was in. He came up. He was like, yeah. it was awesome. So go listen to that. Yep. Economic atheist. That was a good series. Mm-hmm. But anyways, this interview is awesome. Yeah, it is. His name is Elliot Park, okay. and most like most songwriters, you're not going to really ever know his name because he's not the he's not the the performing artist, right? You know, but um, he wrote some pretty incredible songs, and I got connected to him. Uh, through my book writing process. Okay. It's just a cool thing that God did as I was writing about one of the songs that he wrote. My editor happened to know him. 
Wow. And she connected us. That's and so cool. we've kind of had this like this uh, this connection for about a year now, emailing back and forth and him sharing some of his journey with me. I thought it'd be great to have him on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so let's hop in and listen to your interview with Elliot Park. Elliot, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Great to have you with us. And it's good to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Well, I, I would love to um, fill the listener in on a little bit of how, how we met. But um, what, one of the things that's tough about this is uh, my book is not released. And so, so many people are not savvy to even kind of the, the beginnings of how you and I got connected. But it's a really cool thing. Um, yeah. One of the songs that impacted me as I was writing the book and as I was even starting my relationship with Amanda, my late wife, was the song, um, I Loved Her First. And, and I wrote a blog post about it. So if you're listening to this, you can go back and listen to the blog post about it. But I kind of dive into it more in, in the book, Nothing Is Wasted. But um, uh, Elliot is one of the songwriters behind I Loved Her First. And so it's just fantastic. What an honor to have you here. Um, and not just as what you what you do and how your writing has impacted me in the middle of my story, but also how your story kind of converges with it all and even some stuff that that you've walked through and found some purpose in your pain. So yeah. it's just a, it's a cool thing to get connected with you. I'd love for the listener to hear a little bit about that. So just tell us a little bit about yeah. yourself, where you're at, what you do, you and all that, how all that works. Yeah, well... Um, my name is Elliot Park, and um, I'm a songwriter, and amongst other things, I, I do a little, a little bit of a few things, kind of a jack of many trades, but um, kind of refocusing on the songwriting, which I, I sort of uh, uh, let kind of go to the uh, sixth back burner <laughs> there for a few years. <laughs> but yeah, um, had some tremendous success uh, 10 years ago. Um, with the, with the hits, you know, the song that went number one, I learned first, and um, I was a co-write with a guy, just an incredible writer uh, named Walt Aldridge, and we actually wrote that song uh, a few years before it went number one, and uh, this, the story behind that song is is just a crazy one in and of itself. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, just had you know some 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 blessed uh, success there that uh, really put me into. A, um, kind of an elite circle that, um, you know, it was just a, just an amazing few years there, uh, of, of writing and, and having some success. And then, you know, um, and then life kind of, kind of started happening, like you alluded mm. to, um, just, just, uh, just some things that, that happen in almost everyone's life, lives. And, uh, and it, it kind of crashed down hard on me, but not all at once. It just was kind of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a, spiraling down um, into some harder years. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know how much we want to talk about that yet, but, um, but yeah, just a, yeah. just a, just a few years of, of, of some difficult times. And um, yeah, we will definitely, we'll definitely get into that. The, there may be like some confusion to, cause I know there was for me for a little while until I started even entering into the, the publishing world and getting familiarized with the Nashville scene. But what, What's the difference between, you know, what you do and then maybe like a performing artist, like a, you know, 
well, Taylor yeah. Swift would be a bad example because she, I guess, writes a lot <laughs> of her stuff. But, you know, a normal Josh yeah. Turner or something like that. What does that relationship right. look like? Well, so many so many writers uh, do also perform, especially nowadays when um, yeah, you know, it's become it's becoming a little little more difficult just to get by songwriting more than it used to be, mm. um, just from the the way the industry has changed. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, songwriters traditionally have been uh, kind of the, the 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 men behind the curtains or women, and uh, you know, are, are have really vaulted a lot of artists into the into success with just uh, their tremendous writing abilities. And so um, songwriters who are really good at their craft like to concentrate on, on that craft. And uh, yeah. and a lot of them can't sing a lick, you know, and just don't even try. <laughs> a lot of them can't even play an instrument, believe it or not. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. You run into some people who are pure lyricists that are amazing. Wow. And they're valued uh, and known and, and, and called upon, you know. And so you, you have all, you know, all walks of, of uh, the trade in, in the songwriting world. And um, it, it has changed. I, I, I mean that. It's, there's been a serious shift in Nashville um, in the industry. And it, it started happening, you know, really when things kind of started happening with streaming and um, the inter- when the Internet came into play. Um, yeah. But for a few years there, and, and things are actually getting better, but for a few years there, writers were really under a lot of, a lot of pressure as far as, mm. um, you know, just just trying to trying to get their piece of the pie in the whole streaming world, and right. um, that affected me as well. And so, um, so yeah, it's it's a, uh, you know, it's something that is is more difficult. I think I think so, there were probably I think I've heard the statistic there were twenty five hundred songwriters. Um, 12 or 13 years ago, and now it's down to about 250 uh, staff songwriters that are paid. Really? Okay. Yeah, which yep. is crazy. I mean, that's a tenfold decrease, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and there's a lot of songwriters that are still doing it, but they also have side gigs, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but pure, well, so, you know, paid yeah. staff, advanced uh, songwriters on Music Row down to 250 or so. That's, yeah. That's a crazy stat. So Absolutely. So some of the things that we're going to talk about within your story, you know, uh, the bedrock of that is there can be some career crisis, anxiety, fear. You know, am I going to have an ability to make a livelihood with what I do with my craft and in the near future? That's yeah. How did you how did you get into that? How did you get into songwriting? Man, here's the weird thing. I uh, I really was was an extreme late bloomer with music. I, um, you know, my my. My grandparents on both sides played an amazing, played piano amazingly, and uh, mm. but I really didn't pick it up until I was in college, a freshman in college, and I would really, yeah, I played, I played. So there's basketball. hope for me yet, huh? Yeah, heck yeah, man. At 32, I could still learn, learn how to play oh, piano. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, and I don't really know how to play it. I, it's all smoke and mirrors for me. I, I don't even, <laughs> I can't even read music, but. Um, but I found that I had a knack for it. And strangely yeah. enough, my freshman year in college, uh, I would I would I played basketball, and uh, to kind of wind down after eating supper, I would I would go over to the arts building, and <clears throat> which I was a graphic design major, and I would go over to the music part of it and find a little piano room and just sit and play for hours. And I found that it really soothed me, mm. uh, and just I found that I had just a good ear for it. And so, just from the pure enjoyment of it, I learned to learn to play by ear. And so, uh, and then I'd always written poetry, even as a kid, you know, and, um, 
and finally one at one point in my mid twenties about those those two gifts merged. Um, and I started writing songs. And um, I mean, it was not until my early thirties that I actually sent a song to someone in the you know in the music industry and kind of got my foot in the door. So wow. yeah, there's hope. How, for how many songs bloomers. would you say? Yeah, how many songs would you say you had written before you even tried to like got the courage enough to submit one? Um, good songs, probably three. <laughs> <laughs> but, so that means probably three hundred others. <laughs> yeah, I, you know the thing is, I've never been very prolific. Uh, I've always, and I still to this day am not. Um, and there's some songwriters. I can name a couple. I won't, but um, that I know that, that actually do not write many songs a year, but every one they write is really good. And so it's just great. Wow. And then there's those that write a song literally every day uh, on Music Row and wow. they uh, and they do well just by sheer numbers. And so I'm, I'm not I'm not one of those. I wish I was more like that, but I'm not. So. So, yeah, yeah. I, I may ha- I may had a couple of dozen songs that I took with my, you know, as an arsenal to, to sign my first publisher. Okay. And, uh, so, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so you got connected into the, you know, the scene as you're submitting this stuff. Tell me, uh, how did that song, I Loved Her First, how did that come about? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, you may have to edit some of this out because it may be, I may have a hard time <laughs> pulling down. But, so, so this is what happened. Um, when I signed with my publisher back in 2002, um, they, they recognized that I had, never, I had not co-written at all with anyone in Nashville, uh, and hardly at all in my life. I, I think I'd sort of co-written a song with somebody, but they were like, you know, that's the name of the game here, and it, and it is in Nashville. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to, you know, uh, I mean, to put it bluntly, you have to ride the coattails. And, um, right. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and so they, they hooked me up with, with this guy named Walt Aldridge, and I, I knew about him, a little bit about him from what they told me, and I definitely knew the songs that he had written, the number ones, and... Um, I was so nervous. I, <laughs> so I was sitting in the little <laughs> piano writing room there at the Starstruck building in, in, uh, on Music Row. And, and he came in that morning. That was my, the co-writing session they set up. And he sat down on the couch across the room and, uh, with his guitar. And he's a little bit of an intimidating guy. Uh, I love him. But he's just kind of intimidating. He's, he's, a, he's a tall guy. He was about my height. And uh, I'm 6'5". Yeah. And so... Um, Jeez. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's tall. <laughs> yes. You probably weren't quite as intimidated by it, six five if you're six five. Well, but I know, but when you're someone like me who's five eleven. Yeah. But but it is though when you're a tall guy uh, and you and you you're usually you know, you you're uh usually tower usually tower over everybody yeah. and then here he came. Yeah. And so so yeah, so uh, Walt sat down. You know what my wife said about five eleven people? She said uh she said this is what you, you know what you call five people who are five <laughs> eleven? Friends. Friends. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, we, she said that to me when we were dating. I was like, oh, man. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, uh, so it was a little intimidating, just, just his, his initial handshake, just looking at him eye to eye. And, you know, and so he sat down and he had his guitar and he's, he's a good guitar player too. So he, he, he tuned his guitar and, he, and while he was tuning his guitar and looking down at it, he said, well, what do you got today? And, and so I, I, I had been coached by my publisher how it works. I mean, the the less accomplished writer brings the ideas to the table, and so uh, that's kind of the way yeah. the way it works. And so I had my three ideas. I thought surely three deep is going to be good enough. To, and uh, so I played the first one on the piano, and that's what I play. I play piano, and so he 
he he strummed his guitar and looked out the window that he was sitting next to, and uh, you know, a few seconds later, looked back and said, "Well, what else you got?" <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I shuffled I shuffled through those one by one, and and um, you know, he 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 politely strummed and thought about them and sang a little bit, and said, ah, "I'm not feeling that one," you know. And I, I was really worried that we were going to get to a point of this is a what. But what does that feel like, by the way? I mean, you're it's scary. You're an artist, you're creative. Yeah, I mean, I know anytime I create something, I'm putting it in somebody else's hand, saying basically like, "Hey, will you read this or will you tell me what you think about this?" Yeah, you feel very vulnerable. Oh gosh! But to have a you know an acclaimed songwriter look at you and go, eh, I'm not really feeling that one. Man. What does that do? It was, that do it was difficult, especially the first time I'd ever really officially co-written a song. And, um, oh my gosh, I was, I was nervous. And so I, you know, I was like Man. freaking out. I was thinking, well, this is almost going to be a no-write, you know, which is like the dreaded thing yeah. to happen with uh, a number one hit songwriter that you get the chance to write with. And uh, you don't want them to have to come up with something. You know, it's like, man— they're right. they're in demand. They they don't, you know. They they save all their great ideas with for somebody else. You know that's what I was going through my head. Right. You know, and and, and right. seriously, I was no one. I I was not anyone at all. I was from Texas. My first true riding trip to Nashville, and so I was. It was so grateful for for him to be there. But yeah, at the same time, I was scared to death. So yeah. so I, I got through those ideas, and I said, well, and I and I reached. I reached blindly down into my satchel. This is how long ago this was. I didn't have a laptop uh, or anything. I just had a you know a satchel full of old <laughs> ideas, and and I yeah. pulled out this idea that I had I had jotted down a year or so earlier when my first daughter was born, and I I had the melody um, in my head. I remembered the melody that I had, and and a few lines of a chorus. And, and they, mm-hmm. those two lines actually were, I loved her first, I held her first. And then a couple of lines that, were, that alluded to the course, what it would turn into, but at that time they were different. But, and I played it for him, and he, he again started strumming on his guitar and picking at it and looked out the window. And then he looked back at me, and then he, he picked at his guitar a little more and looked back out the window, and finally he looked at me, and he said, man, that's a good idea, let's write that today. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, Man, I, I tell you what, it really is true when I say this. That song almost wrote itself. Um, it was just wow. magic in that room. And um, and uh, he, he just took a hold of that and just was a pro. And Walt, he took it a place that I didn't think it should go at first. I was like, well, hold on. I wanted it to be a little more complex, a little more, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, just me, which is was not right. He knew it, was, he knew it could be a hit. He knew the idea could be a hit, but it needed to be simplified yeah. so you didn't so you didn't have to think about it. He was yeah. already thinking about weddings. He was already thinking about that. And so right. you talk about right. you know, um what a professional can bring to a <laughs> to the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he he showed me how to hit a right hit write a hit song that day. And so so grateful mm-hmm. for him because I truly believe that song would never have been written or never have been heard if it hadn't been for Walt Man, Aldridge. That's awesome. What a cool what a cool thing. Okay. Here, let's do this. Let's listen to a clip of Sounds that good. song right Sounds now. Good. I'm not gonna stand in your way I loved her first I held her first And a place in my heart Will always be hers From the first breath she breathed When she first smiled at me 
There it is. I loved her first. Now, let me tell you this, Elliot. When I, the first time I heard that song, I don't know, maybe you, when, when was it released? Do you yeah, know when uh, it was released? I believe it was released in May of 2006, or may, it may have been late April. Okay. So, okay. So it would have been about a year later that it really came across like my attention because I got engaged in 2007 okay. to Amanda yep. and then married 14 months later in 2008. Okay. And I swear the cosmos was like against <laughs> me because that I heard your song, I loved her first, and then I heard another song that was like something, something talking about a daddy and a daughter or something yeah. too. And then... Yeah, the whole like butterfly kisses and stuff too right. is another one. And I'm like hearing all these songs. I like almost went to my father-in-law or about to be father-in-law. Like, I'm so sorry you could take her back. <laughs> like, I just because I was like feeling the pain oh of this daddy giving away his oh daughter. And I thought like the, the the universe had a conspiracy against me of like, you know, trying to trying to keep yeah. me from from marrying this gal. But man, it it was a, I mean, just touched cool. me big time every time I heard it. And so yeah, just a cool, cool thing, even just to know from our end as the consumer who's hearing these things, like what goes, what goes on behind the scenes yeah. to make these things happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it, you know, it's cool. most times 99.9%, I don't know what the percentage is, but most times it's not, it's not magic. It's just hard work, uh, to write out songs, yeah. but, mm. but, but that day was, it felt divine. It really did. It felt like, um. Uh, and wow. I'm so glad that Walt shot those other ideas down, you know. And I think I actually re repurposed yeah. those and, and made pretty good songs out of them. But but thank God he wasn't feeling those. Thank God yeah. he was he passed yeah. on those. So, <laughs> well, you know, and I wonder too if that's like you know, there's so many times people think that, especially in our culture today, that you can just your talent can just cause success immediately without work, mm. without honing your craft without it's like you just they it's almost a perception that some people oh, yeah. make it some people don't and there's there's the lack of realization that's like no this is a lot there's yeah. a lot of work involved there with is, this yeah. and for every you know all the reps that you put in and all the time and the master the hours that you put in to gain mastery to come out with this hit it wasn't an overnight success story it was years yeah. in the making and um, I think a lot of people struggle through that because they're like, I should be where I want to be right now. I should be able to get this hit song right now. I should be able to have my dream job right now. I should be able to, it's like, hey, put in, you got to put in the yeah. reps. You got to put in the time. Yeah, for you sure. You got to really, you know, magic doesn't just happen. It comes as a culmination of all the hard work it, that you put in. And then an opportunity presents itself and preparation meets it, opportunity it and boom. That's right. You're accelerated. And, uh, you know, you have to, and, and a lot of, a lot of great ideas actually never do see the light of day just because of circumstance and there's hmm. uh there is an alignment that has to take place of of uh making sure you're you know in the right place at the right time and and just being at a lot of right places at a lot of right times and 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 probably ended up being at the wrong places right. more than the right but uh but also being prepared like hmm. you say doing the work and and uh, staying sharp yeah uh that's something i've struggled with i i have been um, well, especially finding success early, 
um, even though it wasn't early in, in the career, the, yeah. writing a song that became successful um, fairly early. It takes some writers right. years and years, and some never, ever achieve a number one status. And so that's something that I actually struggle with is uh, having the success hangover, you know, just like— uh, well, this is, mm. it happened now, I'm, now I'm in this circle of writers, and man, you still have to keep working hard. You still have to, and I, I didn't, yeah. I honestly didn't. I, I got lazy um, and kind of kind of mm. rested on laurels that sh- I shouldn't have. And so um, it's just now coming back to that work ethic, really, well, <laughs> crazy as it sounds, 10 years later. Yeah. So Yeah, wow. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So this thing hit number one. How long it was, was number it? It was number one for just one week. And uh, it got, yeah, it got knocked off by week, um, which most yeah. <laughs> people are never going to hit that. It would have been it would have been two one. weeks. It sure would. It would but definitely have been two weeks. That, but the uh, yep. an artist, uh, I don't know if you've known of her, or know of her. Her, her name is uh, Carrie Underwood. Before he cheats, came up and and knocked us off. Oh. And so, <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, girl power. Yeah. Here it is. So, <laughs> of course, when you're talking about slashing tires and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Of course, it's gonna hit. It's gonna hit better yeah, than the. Yeah, it was quite Islander a first quite a one eighty from from the <laughs> prior hit, but you yeah, know, wow. It's but it's it's true. I mean, you you do feel like it's but, crazy, man. I, I still pinch myself thinking about it. But but for for a week, you're on top of this mountain. You really are. It's like you're looking down and you can see mm-hmm. everyone you've always looked up to. You see the George Straits, the Rascal Flats, all these people. They're hoping to get up to where you are for just a week. You're up there on top of the mountain, and yeah. it's just an amazing thing. And um, mm. yeah, it's like, oh man, if I had it to do over again, I would have experienced it and and uh, you know more and just realized where I was. Mm. Um, even though I, I did, I, I realized how incredible that was, but I just didn't fully soak it in. I don't think like I would now, you know, if that happened again. But <laughs> yeah, what you, you talk about that, you know, that was short lived. What what began to transpire in your life after well, um, that? You know, we, we decided, to st- I lived in Texas at that time, and we decided to stay in Texas. Uh, yeah. Almost moved to Nashville at that point. Uh, but we decided to stay. Uh, we wanted to raise our kids around their grandparents. And, um, you know, I thought, I think that was a good decision. Uh, but but that, that, that mm-hmm. right off the bat made it hard for me uh, to follow up. And just because it's, it, it was at that time starting mm, to become a yeah um, a situation in Nashville where where riders were dropping off and the, and people were trying to get through er, ever narrowing doors you know t- of success and so not being there right. was difficult and so um, but that was the first thing and then you know but I did have some success I, I got a cut with uh, a couple of couple of artists and got a cut with Josh Turner I had a, had a song on on. Uh, uh, on the late night show with David Letterman in 2000, 2009. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. um, there were some really cool things that happened, but, but yeah, it just was like, man, am I ever going to get back to that, that high point, that mountaintop? Um, and a few things started right. happening. Just, just life started happening. Um, for one thing, 2009 was hard on a lot of people. That was kind of the, the year following the crash or the year of the crash, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And so my business, my graphic design business suffered, and uh, I was still doing that at that time. I, I, I've always done that. I probably will never forget, you know, uh, give it up completely. So, um, but that was hard uh, on, on us. And, and so one thing led to another, and, you know, 
truly the wheels just kind of completely came off in my life. And, and um, I mm. finished my album just about the time my first album, Flyboy, um, kind of decided to take some of the songs that were sort of on the fringe and probably would never be cut by anyone and, and make an album. And so that, mm-hmm. but just about when that was released is when things kind of, kind of started to spiral out of control for me. And, um, and it was just, you know, I, I've said this, it was just life. It wasn't, there wasn't anything tremendous or traumatic, a single thing. It was just, um, just a snowball effect for me. And, and, and I'd always had a little bit of a, a problem, a tendency for depression. And so it kind of started to take hold for me. Um, take a mm-hmm. take a hold on my life, and so um, a few things happened. I, a publishing deal went sour, and um, you know, so it was just uh, one thing after the other, and I found myself kind of in a bad place about by about 2012. And um, so, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. the crazy thing is, and I don't know if if you wanted to talk about the whole thing with the soldier and the oak, how that song kind of came to be. and Yeah. Well, I'd love to talk about that. How would you, you know, help, help me understand, help us understand kind of how you would describe some of the circumstances surrounding like everything hitting that bottom point, you know, like if there are listeners out there who are relating to, to you, what, what what kinds of things were you experiencing? What was happening? Yeah. What what did that depression well, feel like for you? You know. What, well, I tell you how it manifested. What was that like? Um, it 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 was a dark time, but it didn't get super dark until October 2012, and that that's when I had um, what I'd never experienced before in my life, and that was a severe panic attack in the middle of the night, and I uh, woke up at about you know two or mm-hmm. three in the morning, and I seriously thought I was having a heart attack. And, um, you know, <clears throat> I was, we were having financial problems. Um, we were having, um, you know, just trying to pay my mm-hmm. property tax that year. I, I remember that so well. I even wrote a note to the, to the county clerk and, or uh, to the tax assessor and was like, you know, I, I can't pay my taxes all at once. Can you take it easy on me this year? I have that written. I have it saved uh, mm-hmm. in my keepsakes, you know, just to remember that. Uh, and I had the, I had the, foresight to make a copy of that it which is so strange to me i kind of knew i was in that place and i knew i'd be out of it someday uh maybe and so i just wanted to i don't know i wanted to to keep that but anyway um that's neither here nor nor there Mm -hmm. but yeah just so so i woke up uh that night in october and i i thought i was going to die and so um so my wife helped me to the car and we were going to go to the hospital. We were headed to the hospital and and I was trying to breathe through it. And I don't know if, you know, I, I know that people if listening to, to me that have experienced anxiety attacks like that, uh, it's almost like you don't want to talk about it too much because it brings it back. Um, those, It's a scary thing that happens and it's just like, what is this? It's almost yeah. demonic, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyway, we, we ended up not going to right. the hospital. We went to my friend's house. Right. Uh, Jason, uh, my, uh, the associate pastor of the church we were going to at that time, and and he he just prayed mm-hmm. with me, and uh, and I worked back out of it after a couple hours, and kind of kind of emerged out of that. But that that's something that stayed with me almost nightly for for a long long time, and uh, something that actually does yeah. sort of 
rear its ugly head every now and then still. And so, um, so yeah, um, that was yeah. the darkest, darkest point, um, you know, but, but the, the, the walk down into that place was just, yeah, just an ever darkening, lonely, loneliness that, um, was also exaggerated by our church at that time was going through some problems and it, it started to break up at that time. And so the loss of, of, of that was definitely a contributing factor. Mm. And so, um, but yeah. So it was kind of just like a combination of a lot of things. Yeah, it was it was a bad alignment of, of different things for it sure really for me. And um, almost, almost in the same way that you found yourself at the right place at the right time for this you know, trajectory to happen where where your song hit number one. Yeah. In the same way, there there's this same spiraling yeah. downwards, wrong places, wrong time. And that's the wrong, crazy thing. I mean, know, yeah, financial problems. Once. Uh, wow. Having some failure there with my publisher in Nashville. Uh, just the lack of mm -hmm. confidence in myself that I could ever write a good song anymore. Um, yeah. You know, those three things were probably the biggest three right. factors for me that, that led me into, into the depression uh, and, yeah. and losing my friend network. That was definitely a, yeah. one, of the, one of the big That's factors. A, you know, as someone who, you know, I create content a lot as far as writing and preaching and you're right, writing things a lot. Sometimes you, you, you put something out there that you feel like, man, I knocked that out of the park. Like people responded well to that. That was really great. And it's coming from a place that when you first sat down to write it, it's just coming from your heart. You know, you're not looking to knock it out of the park. You're not looking to yeah. get affirmation from people. You're just looking to express yourself mm -hmm. in a way that, in a medium that you don't feel like you can express yourself otherwise. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the it feels like sometimes the the affirmation can become the fuel, and then it becomes pressure. Yeah. Yeah. For you know? sure. It's like, oh, I got I'm I'm doing this now for something for some other motivation, and that's to win the praise of people. Mm -hmm. And, and it, there's this pressure applied to it, and it's hard to get back to that original just, hey, let me just kind of, yeah. You know, I think about that a lot. Yeah, what you're, what you're saying, because I remember when I wrote, I was, man, I was in a zone. There was a, there was a couple of years there back in 2000, and uh, right after I signed with my publisher, I was just in a zone, man. I, a couple of years I wrote so many good songs <laughs> yeah. that I just didn't have— I wasn't a, I wasn't addicted to, to that affirmation yet. I was right. just writing from my heart, um, and yeah, I mean, success sometimes can make you addicted to that. Like it's just, um, oh man, I, you know, because your publisher's giving you praise, yep. kind of keeping you going. They know what you need. I mean, you know, we're all creative people that need that. So, right. uh, but yeah, sometimes you you start to rely on that too heavily, and uh, and then and then it, you know when you get into the business heavily it's like that's your professional you don't need that anymore right <laughs> or that's the expectation but man you know yeah it's like something that can become a um a motivation that uh it's a little unhealthy sometimes yeah, yeah absolutely i um i i'm sure there's a lot of people that have experienced this kind of like um well one depression is a huge thing in our um society today you know we mm -hmm. We are, especially in Westernized culture, everybody would look at our at the United States of America and say we're the most privileged of all of all nations. It seems like, and yet we rank the highest among um, antidepressant antidepressant usage and all of that. So it's very prevalent. Sometimes very much gripping our society and gripping yeah. our hearts. And 
Um, I'm sure there's a number of factors that are involved with that, but then also along with that anxiety and, you know, struggles yeah. with anxiety. I, I've had a panic attack before as well. And, um, it was the weekend before we moved to Indianapolis to start our church oh. and everything was, everything was all in a moving van packed up. Uh, Amanda's brother had driven that, that moving van up to Indianapolis. So all our stuff was already here on the ground. I was performing a wedding that weekend of a good friend of mine and we were oh, staying man. at a hotel and, and, uh, the night before the wedding, I wake up in the middle of the night, the same exact experience, like thinking mm. I'm having a heart attack. And I walk yeah. out into the hallway, just trying to, you know, pace up and down and, you know, I'd never ha experienced not being able to catch my breath like that. You know, I'd yeah. been an athlete my whole life and felt like I had control over my body in a lot of ways yeah. through yeah. that. And then all of a sudden, man, you're in the space where you're going, am I having a heart attack? What is going on here? Mm -hmm. And I walk back into the, the room and at this time, Amanda, she had heard me and the scuffle of what was going on. So she was awake, lights were on. She was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I can't catch my breath. I don't know what's going on. I think I'm having a heart attack. And I think she discerned immediately what was going on, that it was some kind of a, like you said, a, yeah. very, um, a very spiritually oppressive, it was a panic attack mixed with some, some probably something demonic there as well. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like and, it for uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And man, she just started quoting Matthew 6 over me oh. from, from memory. She just started quoting it, you know, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow worries about itself. And yeah, and it, she's just quoting this thing verbatim. And all of a sudden, man, it was just like, and she starts, you know, saying the name of Jesus out loud and it just, boom, yeah. left me. That's it calms me down. Yeah, well, it's crazy. It's a scary thing. Thank though. God for it's wives. a scary thing. <laughs> yeah, can, I know. They can keep it together. Absolutely. And, and oh, they're so tough in emotional situations like that. Uh, right. My wife has saved me so often right. when, I, when I start to lose it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, this yeah. is this is the way I describe. <laughs> I've, 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 a couple of years, it was I was trying to find words to people who would ask me, well, "What is? It? I don't understand. What is a panic attack?" And so, but I, I was thinking about it one day, and it's here's the best way I can describe it to people who've never had it. It's like somebody comes up behind you. Let's say you're walking through a peaceful, you know, park or whatever, and uh, or something, and somebody comes up behind you and puts a a black bag over your over you and duct tapes it around mm. you and then turns you upside down and puts you in a hole head down about the size of your shoulders and lets you go and as you're mm. sliding down that hole you cannot move that's what it feels like to me to have a panic attack yeah and um, the hopelessness i just felt I know. anxiety and i hope that doesn't send anybody Ooh. into yeah but but trying to relate it, you know, for people who who have never experienced that, yeah. that's that's what it feels like. That it feels that's the hopelessness you feel, that's the death you feel, that's the 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 fear, mm -hmm. you know, the sheer fear of of what I feel when I when I used to have them that bad, mm -hmm. and a lot of it is just learning what to deal with, like learning, like identifying and just saying no, you know, praying through it, knowing it's not real. Mm -hmm. You start getting that metallic adrenaline taste in your mouth. You breathe slowly, and my wife mm -hmm. knows how to coach me through it. Uh, but like I say, I've not had one n near that bad, and, and hardly have them at all now. And if I do, I can usually just go to the living room and sit and pray, and and they'll pass. And um, yeah, and then it's just kind of a good time of just sitting there and relaxing and reflection and figuring out why why this happened. Yeah, and, and then identifying the source, and you know, so wow, it's uh yeah, it's an interesting thing. 
dealing yeah. with them. Well, I know, I know you mentioned something about another song that you wrote that really helped you as you were healing from this whole process. You know, you found yourself at rock yeah. bottom where October of 2012, I believe you said it, you experienced this first panic yeah. attack. And then, and then God started changing your perspective through this other song that you, that you wrote. Talk to me about that yeah. process a um, little bit. It's pretty crazy. I, when the, in 2009, when things kind of started to, started to unravel for me and um, I was trying to finish up my album and uh, I, I wrote this song. I was sitting in church one day and um, <laughs> I guess I wasn't listening to the sermon. I don't know, but uh, I, I, I jotted <laughs> down. Yeah. I was. Sorry, you were listening to the Lord. So, you know, those of us preachers, as long as you're listening I, to the Lord, we're okay. As long as you're sitting there, you may, yeah, and you make yeah. it look like you're listening I mean, to it. It was one of those days, you know, <laughs> I was just drift. My mind was drifting. And, um, <laughs> and so, uh, but I was sitting there and, um, man, I was just, I had the bulletin in my hand and I, I just, a, a, a scene kind of popped in my head and it was a, an oak tree that was kind of bent over and gnarly looking and it's like, it's like, that's kind of cool. What is that? And so I wrote mm. that down. I just wrote oak tree, bent over oak tree, I think, on this bulletin. And that's what I got that Sunday. And I was like, man, there's something about that. And I told my wife even, I wish I had that still. I so wish I had that bulletin that I wrote that, just the word wrote oak tree down, and yeah. I put it in my pocket. And so, but then the next, the following week, the soldier part of it came into, this. the name of the song is called The Soldier in the Oak. And uh, that Monday, I started working on that mm -hmm. song because I just felt like there was something there, a story behind this oak tree. And what was it? And over the next couple of days, I, mm -hmm. this, this story developed. that um, just came to me kind of just um, out the blue. And I truly feel like that was a parable that was just given to me uh, from God. And, uh, you know, it sounds cliche. It sounds hokey. But I just was sort of a vehicle that just kind of I just wrote that song, and he worked through me for that. So, because I I didn't know exactly what I was writing. The song is kind of a mysterious wow. parable, um, and a story of an oak tree. Um, yeah, that goes through hardship and becomes bent, and then is reclaimed and repurposed and redeemed. Mm. Um, but 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 the crazy thing, Davey, was that song. Wow. I didn't fully know what it meant, and then after I wrote that song and recorded the album and released it. Uh, that song kind of went up and I went down. And I ended up living out that song the, over mm -hmm. the next seven years. Um, and uh, it's still playing wow. out. It, but that song went on and, and it touched so many people. And I've gotten so many emails uh, from people that were going through hardship, going through anxiety, going through, you know, mm. whatever, and, and, had, and had shame on their lives. And so I started to realize, you know, this is a real problem out there that's not really being talked about or something, you know, the, the, the idea of shame as opposed to guilt uh, in the Christian right. world is something I don't know people, too many people really think about and, and understand. And so, so yeah, yeah, that song kind of rose up yeah. and, and uh, touched, touched a lot of people and it's still doing, doing really well out there and it's kind of redefined kind of who I am. And um, thank God for that song. I mean, it, it pulled me through just knowing yeah. that it was out there doing the wow. work with zero promotion on my part. Um, going out there, I think now close to nine million spins um, on Pandora and um, and other places, and so wow. I mean it's just it's just crazy how if God has a plan for something, 
it doesn't take all that promotion. It just needs to be right, you know? Right. He's just going to carry it out. That's so true. Wow. Um, yeah, that's it's fascinating what you said, just the difference between guilt and shame and how we don't talk about that. Because I, I feel like oftentimes yeah. we lump those two things together in Christian language. Mm -hmm. It's like you hear that shame and guilt, shame and guilt, shame and guilt. And I've always, maybe you have a different insight into this, but I've always looked at it as like guilt is feeling mm -hmm. feeling bad or condemned for something that you do. Yeah. Shame is feeling condemned for something that you think you are. And it's so a shame puts this like heavier cloak over you because it's like, I'm ashamed of who I am. Right. Almost because you've lumped in what you do with who you are. You've blurred those lines. Yeah. You know, rather than realizing you're a child of God, you're redeemed, mm -hmm. you're forgiven, you're loved, you're cherished, you're valued, you're, you know, he has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life. You start to. For sure. Take yeah. on the antithesis yeah, it's of almost that like, uh, who you are. You know, shame is the, shame. Yeah. the filthy mouth's cousin of guilt. It's like, <laughs> you know, guilt is, is true. Guilt is, is something you feel responsible for, mm. and it can wow. be a, a thing that actually is— That's good. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, guilt is legitimate. Um, if you've done something that you're guilty of, you're guilty of it. And that can be understood, and, and it can be— Right. It can be uh, repented for, and it can be— declared out it can be declared out of exi existence but shame sometimes yeah to me this is the way i look at it is is this is sometimes a scar that doesn't wash away as easily um and it's just something that's permeated us um wow and mm -hmm. um you know it takes a little more to to get to for some people especially people who've had traumatic or, or dramatic events uh, of sin mm. on either side of that you know have a little more ways to go uh, before that life-changing laying down of the yeah. burden moment can really begin to manifest, you know, um, and go from on paper to real life, you know. And so, uh, so yeah, shame has been a little hard for me to uh, to get rid of. And that actually is, um, huh. for me, and I think a lot of people, uh, it, it, there's a pitfall, you know, that uh, you can experience with, um, people who've had traumatic events, um, especially for me, for being a creative person, um, you know, I don't know. I have a tendency of of uh, of just emotionalizing everything. I don't know if that's a word or not, um, and just the tendency to 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 try to understand mm -hmm. things emotionally before yeah. I do mm -hmm. um, logically. But yeah, yeah, shame is shame is the mm. the difficult part of 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 it that I think is hard for people to let go of for sure. Well, that's that's probably what gives you your impact as a creative too, because you're able to because you emotionalize yeah. everything. You're able to take a situation and the first thing you see is the emotive behind that situation. So you write with that kind of emotion and you and 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 you produce music with that kind of emotion and it ends up bringing people into this the story because it touches their heart and reaches their emotion for sure yeah and but it's a, that that the other side of that same coin can be tricky and dangerous because you know if you're thinking with your emotion it can it can lead to a, a, a downward spiral yeah in that well that's that's true there's there's two sides of the coin right. for me and I, I've always been a man that's been so attracted to the glorious idea of redemption right. um, and so attracted to uh, to redemption that it's like um, there's a stubborn part of of my brain way down in the amygdala or whatever <laughs> it is that, that struggles to retain that yeah. um, and to put a stamp of you're approved wow. 
on that mm. once and for all. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it, it's, I guess the reason I'm so attracted to redemption, um, you know, there were, there was an event, uh, this is kind of a, maybe I should have started with this, but there was an event early in, in my, it was relatively early in my life that was traumatic. And, and so that has been something that has affected me, mm. um, and actually played in, played into that, that depression. And I probably should have mentioned that, mm. um, but we kind of got into the shame thing. And so now I'm sort of going back, yeah. but, and you know, that the people who, who deal with shame, they, they, it's crazy. I mean, I looked up one time the, the effects or the symptoms of that. And I mean, I was just checking them off. It was like yeah. anger and frustration, check, yeah. uh, you know, isolation, check, panic attacks, check, mm. you know, setting yourself up for failure. That's a weird symptom, but check, you know, I did that. Mm. Um, being indecisive, uh, just because you don't feel like you're, uh, you know, y- you should be the one Competent making decisions or whatever. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Check, you know, so, mm. um, so it's something I've always struggled with. So I've, therefore I'm, I've been very attracted to the idea of, of total, complete redemption. And so that's what, yeah. strangely, probably 75% of my songs have to do with, with the redemption, the story of redemption. Mm. And so it's a gift and it's also, you know, something that, um, is is it really is a, a continuous thing in my mind to to grab a hold of that and say no I I am forgiven I don't have mm-hmm. that you know I don't have that guilt anymore yeah um, one of the things we say um, at, at our church a lot Elliot is we all have a story and you know even as you're sitting here talking I'm wondering if this is true if this is kind of a um, a nuance for for everyone, but we all we all in our story have something in our past that has kind of catalyzed that shame. There's maybe an incident that's happened, or a traumatic thing, or yeah, or even just something somebody said to us, or the way our parents treated us, or or neglected us, or left us, or abandoned. Whatever. There's something there that I feel like that from a Christian worldview, the enemy, the devil, will play off of for the rest of our lives if we don't learn how to oh, yeah yeah combat those things. Um, and we don't learn how to heal from them. I think that's kind of the bigger issue. But but I think that's also the beautiful story of redemption is that redemption isn't even a thing. There's no such thing as redemption without uh, that tragedy or without that trauma, mm-hmm. you know? It's it's like the beautiful, redemption is such a beautiful story. It's written into the narrative of almost every piece of art that we love. It is. <laughs> the ones that, the movies that we go and see, the songs that we like to listen to, yeah. the, the things that we like to experience because our heart is drawn to it. And that it's so beautiful, but you know, you don't have that redemption without that fall, without that tragedy. Yeah. And so it's, you know, I'm just sitting here kind of thinking out loud. It's almost like you don't have... You don't have Sunday without Friday in Jesus' yeah. life, right? You've got Sunday, the resurrection, and Friday, the, the tragedy. But if Friday didn't happen, then, then Sunday isn't as glorious. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think that, you know, in a strange way can give us hope. Yeah, yeah. That, like, if you feel like you're in the middle of Friday or Saturday, man, Sunday's coming. Like, have hope that redemption is part of the narrative that God is writing for your story. Yeah. For and, sure. Um, we don't know when or how that's going to be experienced, but we know that it is coming as you put your trust in him. For sure. You know? And it's something that, you know, you're, um, 
your kind of brand now. Nothing is wasted. I, I mean, I, I live, mm-hmm. I love that you expressed that and have declared that because I live, I live by that now. I, the pain I feel mm. uh, at night when I wake up, and I, I, I wake up a lot <laughs> with stuff on my mind. It's just, it's just yeah. a creative person. Mm-hmm. And so I wake uh, every night, I, almost every night right. I wake up around two or three and I go in and sit on the couch and I just, I think about, I think about what is, what am I feeling right now? What's painful for me right now? And I, I cry, I pray. Mm. And that's not, you know, and I, and I think, well, what is this also to be? I'm thankful for this pain because it's showing me something and that's not wasted. It's not wasted. Yeah. I, I used to think that, you know, I always try to shy away from pain. And, and honestly, there was a couple of years there where I found, I found some, I tried to find some relief, um, you know, and, mm. and, and in chemicals, chemical ways. And uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say right. that. I kind of am, but <laughs> but it's truth. It's truth, and yeah. But you know, it's yeah. That's yeah. the thing is, it's truth, and that's that's where a lot of a lot of people are. We all kind of fall into that. The to, and we we become prey of this like this lie that says, "Hey, shy away from it, walk away from pain, try to do anything you can yes. to numb or escape it." Yeah. You know, and, and oh, and just sitting in it, um, yeah, and it can be intense, but. And maybe you need help. Maybe you need to wake the wife up and say, I just need to, I need to hold your hand. I need to, yeah. uh, gosh, my wife will tell you. I mean, I, there's so many nights where I just reach over and I, even if she, if she doesn't wake up sometimes, but I, I will find her hand and I will just, I'll grab it because I need, mm. I need to, I need that as, as a human being, flesh to flesh. I need that um, to get through some of the thoughts that occur at night for me. And um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, but learn to, learn to get through it um, with ways I, I used to rely on unhealthy ways to get through it. So, right. For sure. Well, I think that's a, that's an excellent um, thing I'd love to, I'd yeah. love to just touch on and, and have you tell us a little bit more about is what are the, what are the ways that you're, you're emerging from this? What are the things you're doing to find healing well from these things? Um because you know clearly now you're yeah you're you're leaning into yeah. this pain so so how do you lean into it and find healing? Well, um, I think just getting older and <laughs> um, I don't just you know one of the things is you just stop making much ado about so much you know it's just like uh, these are mm. emotions and these are it's, it, and knowing so many times this has happened that it never feels the same in the morning when the light comes and just uh, I don't know wow, cerebrally. Yeah. Knowing that and just like telling my amygdala, <laughs> and I, is that the place? Is that the emotional place? Yeah. Seems like that is. I, maybe <laughs> it might be. Just, I wish I was that. My my wife Christy now she's she's a PA student, yeah. so she would anyway, know. <laughs> wherever that place <laughs> down right. there, that is right. just where emotions are kept yeah. and where God gave us to um, keep all that. You're just telling it to calm down. I mean, just calm down. This is you know this is going to be different, and it's like yeah. The, mm-hmm. That little part of your brain says, "Yeah, no, you're right. Sorry." And so, just learning to deal with it, um, yeah. honestly, toughening up a little bit with it, um, but just just yeah. praying. I mean, praying is so helpful. <laughs> it's just like just good old praying mm-hmm. and and um, crying. I've cried so much, you know. And so, um, gosh, though, I'm yeah. so much better than I was uh, a few years ago with it, and I'm so. I don't know. I don't know if it's right, but I'm so proud of myself for, you know, and, and proud that God is, yeah. it just, I don't know. I feel good about uh, learning how to deal with it better. And, um, 
and being able to finally formalize kind of what I, the techniques I've had and mm-hmm. telling other people that have struggled with the same thing. And um, that's become a, a gift, yeah. I guess, um, for the, through the back door. Yeah, I think you're experiencing like the reversal of you were enslaved to it and now you're, what scripture says is take every thought captive yeah. and make it a slave, you know? And so instead of being enslaved by something, you're reversing that process and you're saying, I'm not going to let you control me. I'm going to control you. Yeah. I'm going to tell you emotions where you're supposed to go. I'll I'll feel it. I'll, I'll hear it. I'll understand, you know, and try to use it as a red light indicator yeah. for what's going on in my in my life, but I'm not going to be controlled right. by it, right. run by it. And uh, that gives you a sense of empowerment. It does, yeah. You know, that kind of reverses the shame because the shame continues to exacerbate and snowball as you go, wow, you just kind of like you, those things as they're controlling you, as they're, as you're a slave of it, it continues to tell you, well, you can't, you can't get yourself out of this and look what mm-hmm. you're, you know, look what you're made of. It's not much. And, oh, yeah. you know, it just continues to beat you down over and over. And the second you start to reverse that and you lean into it, you start to gain control of it, that also snowballs in a positive direction. Yeah. All right. So tell me what, Elliot, what would you, what would you say to the Elliot Park of the past before you ever had this, you know, hit song uh, as you're like trying to break it into Nashville or maybe even like while that success, while you were experiencing that success, what's some like advice that you would give to yourself or forewarnings that you would give to yourself um, in, in that journey? Yeah. Um, gosh, I, you know, if I could go back and write a letter to myself, somebody wrote a song like that, didn't they? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> a, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say, um, I would say, man, just um, at the risk of being kind of cliche, I would say just be be honest as soon as you can. You know, the most honest you can be with yourself and what your lackings are and to... Um, to be okay with those and know that those are changing slowly and, um, and to know you don't have to have it all figured out and to stop trying yeah. to live up to such, to the pressure and to know that everybody is going through the same struggle. Everybody's trying to put on yeah. a face here and everywhere. And everybody's, everybody's trying to be, um, who they think people want them to be. And, um, and just to know that, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't, you don't have to write a number one <laughs> ever again to, to be uh, validated in God's eyes and to be legitimate, you know, and um, to be right. considered success. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I, and also really just, uh, I guess, in anticipation, if I were to warn myself of the dark years coming uh, to find to find somebody as soon as possible that you can talk to, um, that you can trust through and through, and which is what I found. Uh, of course, my wife, you know, it's just it's totally essential having a mate that can understand you and, and help you and carry that burden, right. but also a friend, you know, friend network outside of it, even if it's just one person. Um, and I would tell I would tell myself that at that time who that is you need to go after because I have that now. And, uh, and yeah. so you find that person that are those people in that circle that you can be completely 100% honest with, um, down to the, down to the very, very bottom of the barrel that you can scrape up that stuff and say, this is what I'm dealing with. Mm. Um, 
and to deal with that. And so that's where that's where the treasure lies, you know. Um, yeah. So I think if I had the ability, that's what. Yeah, I think I think that's what I would I would tell myself, basically. That's that's cool. It seems like really for all of this, like healing through stuff like this, it's all it's all a matter of identity. Yeah, you know, it's a it's kind of that. You know, I think about when Jesus was was baptized by by John the Baptist before he ever started any kind of ministry, before he ever did anything or produced anything. He, um, you know, that it, scripture tells the heavens opened up and a dove descended. A voice from heaven said, "This is my son with whom I'm well pleased." And like, if you know, I, I, that's that's what I struggle with. Is my personality is like I tend to put my identity and my worth in what I do and in my, in, in my worth and in, into my work. And here God is reminding us that, Hey, Jesus was, was his son that he was well pleased with his beloved before he ever produced anything, before he did any kind of work, before he did any kind of ministry. And that's what he looks at when he sees us as well as his, as his sons and daughters. Um, and then operating from that, you know, it's so hard to wrap our hearts around just operating from that rather than for that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's true. And, uh, you know, the verse we love, we love because he first loved us. I mean, right. what's cool is that, I mean, he found there was such a redeeming quality he found in us. Uh, he, he finds in us before we even turn that corner of redemption. I mean, there's got to be something there. And sometimes I think we stay in that, you know, a little too long in the sinner saved by grace thing. And, and it's just like, man something beautiful he found in us and and loved us first um yeah you know and, and the, the identity there before we even became what we're supposed to become you know so yeah that's good man this has been awesome thanks so much for uh for coming on this episode with us and letting us pick your brain a little bit and hey, my pleasure. talk about your journey yeah it was, it's been great my honor and pleasure i really appreciate it and um um Really love what you're doing and what, what you're about, and uh, right on. <laughs> well, thanks, man. We're I'm honored to have gotten to to meet you. And next time I'm in Nashville, we need to go sit around that fire. Oh, that I saw good. in that video. Yeah, Let's just go sit around the fire and talk life. It'd oh be fun. man, yeah. People around here they love fires and the evenings, and it's, it's just <laughs> great. I love it. So. And country music. Hello. Uh, yep. Yep. Hey, you know I grew up in in Birmingham, Alabama. So oh, yeah. country music through and through. Let's go. Oh yeah, you're a southern boy. I'm a southern For boy. Sure. <laughs> uh, we that's the that's the land of pickup trucks and Confederate yeah. flags and that's heartlands, you know. Heck yeah, yeah. That's, that was the heartland right there. It is. <laughs> oh man, hey, I appreciate it so much. It's been great. Thank you. Likewise. What a great interview. Yeah. Thanks for having him on the podcast. Absolutely. It's. Uh, I feel like that was different than any other interview that we've done so far. Yep. Um, I don't think we've talked about like depression, anxiety. I mean, I think we've talked about those as a result of something, right. but that in in and of itself being the thing that they're, you're struggling with. Yeah, you know? and it's a super super common thing. Absolutely. So Absolutely it's nice it to shed light on that and give some, um, just some tangible examples of what it looks like to walk through that well. Um, and like lean on the people around you, right. the importance of community right. and prayer. 
um, even acknowledging like where that darkness comes from. Right. So well, yeah, I think that and I, think, I think that's one thing that we underestimate a lot is just the power of prayer in that moment. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I hate that because I'm an active person. I'm like, what do I need to do about this? Mm-hmm. It's like, we'll pray. No, but what do I need to do? <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, honestly, this is one of those situations where I feel like the Lord shows you in these kinds of moments, hey, you just need to be still and let me fight your battle. Yeah. Like, trust, give this over to me. Um, this battle is not yours to fight. Let mm-hmm. me fight it for you. And uh, I think that is, ironically, the 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 solution or the remedy to anxiety. Yeah. Is this just re- release and trust. Mm-hmm. Be so, still and know. Man, man. It's almost like God knew exactly what we were going to deal with as human beings. Yeah. <laughs> he gave <laughs> us this guidebook. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, one thing as a listener that we would love for you guys to do is rate and review the podcast. Um, one That's actually one thing that I've been doing lately is scrolling through our podcast feed and just reading the stories that you guys are sharing. Yeah. Um, the way that the podcast has been helpful for you. Honestly, even feedback <laughs> um, right. about how we can make the podcast better or some recommendations or things like that. So honest ratings and reviews are, are really helpful to us as we create and continue to go forward and putting this podcast in your ears. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say in your hands, but it doesn't go in your hands. It goes in your ears. Yes, it could, you know, in their iPhone or That's something. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So we would, I mean, we really, really, really would love for you guys to rate interview the podcast. It's helpful for us. It keeps us going, but also it's helpful to the people around you too, because if you've been helped by this podcast, Mm -hmm. I'm a hundred percent certain that it's going to help other people in your life. So share it. um, Tell us, I don't know, tell us how it's been helpful to you and um, just share your story. It gets us really excited, um, gives us motivation to keep recording. And um, honestly is like, emotionally triggering (laughs) for us to like in a good way. Like, um, there's some really, really cool stories. So even if you guys don't have time to rate and review, you want to go back and do that later. I would encourage you as a listener to go and read those reviews as well. Um, cause there's some really, really cool stories that are circulating in that feed. I'm actually reading them right now as you're, there's one one person says, initially I started listening to this because I was looking for a new faith-based podcast to listen to on my way to work. Hmm. I listened to the first episode the week after the podcast started. Little did I know how much this podcast would mean to me. I lost my mom unexpectedly the last week of July. Wow. Looking back, I can see how God was preparing me for the loss of my mom. Listening to this podcast was just one of the ways he was preparing me to walk through grief. Mm. God is so good. Thank you for all that you and your guests share on each episode. I highly recommend this podcast to people walking through grief and even to those who aren't currently in a difficult season. It's incredible. Yeah. And even to like be able to share this with other people, you know, who maybe otherwise wouldn't step into a f- listening to something that's faith-based, but because it's, you know, they're walking through a tough season. Yeah. I know I did this with um, with uh, a contractor that I was like, that I hired out to work on my house and she lost her sister. Wow. And I just like, I had no idea. I was working with her and all of a sudden, you know, sh- she had something happen and sh- her time was constrained and then I found out from somebody else what was going on in her life. And mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. If there's anything that I can do, please let me know. And I just forwarded her the podcast. And if That's this is great. helpful for your family, like, you know, just uh, I think I think it could help as you're walking through this. And she was so appreciative of it. So it's just cool to be able to have these resources of other voices speaking into your your trial. Yeah, definitely. So, and we, we want to also thank 
Ryan O'Neill or Sleeping at Last as mm-hmm. he goes by for providing all the music for this um, podcast. You can you can download or stream his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. Yeah. And uh, you should especially listen to his new Enneagram songs. He just released three. And nice. it was awesome because that's me, Enneagram 3. It was amazing. He hit the nail Good. on the head. And um, and again, you know, email us at hello at Resonate Indie if there's anything that we can do to help you out. Again, that's hello at Resonate Indie. And we just so much enjoy you being part of this Nothing Is Wasted community. For sure. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. <laughs>